one is where we're going to focus today as we close out what has been one of my favorite series, Wait a Minute. In fact, why don't you in the comments below let us know what has been the message from this series that has spoke to you the most, what's challenged you, what's got you thinking, what just has really made a difference in your life. Let us know below. We'd love to hear from you. The first week we talked about just because Jesus has been delayed doesn't mean that you've been denied. The second week we talked about the three mile per hour God. Week three, we focused on how we find Jesus in the waiting. And then last week we talked about how waiting's never wasted. Today, Acts chapter number one, verse number three, it says this, after the sufferings of his cross, Jesus appeared alive many times to these same apostles over a 40-day period, proving to them with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected. They had a hard time believing it, just like any of us would. He had to give them some convincing signs that he was who he said he was. During these encounters, he taught them the truths of God's kingdom. Jesus instructed them don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here. Notice, but wait here until you receive the gift that I told you about, the gift the Father has promised. So Jesus is emphasizing here a gift and a promise for John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, you are going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Every time that they were gathered together, they asked Jesus, Lord, Tell us about the future. Let us know what's going to happen. We'd love to know more about the end of days. When's this all going to wrap up? When, when can we expect to see and experience certain things down the line? They said, is it now the time for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he answered, he said to them the same thing he does to any and all of us that have similar questions. The Father is the one who sets the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. You are not permitted to know the time of their fulfillment. You're not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. But I promise you this. Again, another promise. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you're going to be seized with power. And you'll be my messengers to Jerusalem throughout Judea the distant provinces, even to the most remote places on earth. And right after Jesus spoke those words, the disciples saw him being lifted into the sky and disappearing into a cloud. They witnessed his ascension. In fact, today, while it's Memorial Day, it's also a day where the whole Christian world all across the globe is focusing on, reflecting on, remembering, sharing, talking about his ascension. And as they stared into the sky, watching Jesus ascend, two men in white robes suddenly appeared beside them. And if you're sitting with someone, just let them know that's an angel. It's talking about angels. Two men in white robes suddenly appeared beside them, and they told the startled disciples, Why are you staring up into the sky? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but he will come back in the same way that you saw him ascend. I want to wrap up the reading of God's word 
by drawing your attention again to that last statement. Jesus is going to come back in the same way that you saw him ascend. And from this, I'm going to talk for a couple of moments today on worth the wait. Worth the wait. As we look through Jesus' final words, his, his last commentary, and if you were in his shoes, imagine as you're addressing your friends and loved ones and those closest to you, your final remarks, your parting words are going to be the most significant. Maybe you've been, you've been holding back on revealing some information, but in these final moments is the time to let it all go, to let it all hang out. Jesus gives them what are the most important things for them to know and the most important things for them to do once he's gone. And if you'll notice here in Acts chapter 1, Jesus promises two things here. And these two things are the two greatest gifts, the two best and the most exciting promises that Jesus ever made. Jesus says to all of them, his disciples, those that love him, who serve him, who worship him, he says to all of those gathered on this momentous day, he says, before I leave you, I want to give you something that you can look forward to. I get it. You're heartbroken that I'm leaving. You, you thought that you'd lost me already and then I came back. But now, just as you're acclimating to my presence again in your life and you're feeling the optimism and the hope of us taking this relationship long distance, just know I'm, I'm leaving you again, and this time it's for real. Death couldn't take me forever, but I'm going to leave you, and you've got to have something to look forward to. I know you're brokenhearted. I know that you're uncertain about what tomorrow holds. But understand this, Jesus says, I might be going away, but I am putting into your hands right now a means to empower you. And the way that I'm going to infuse you with hope over the long haul. And, and since I am not going to physically be with you, I'm going back to where I came from. I'm going back to my rightful place in heaven, since I am not going to be physically with you, I am going to provide you with the best things that I could ever equip you with. You see, guys, the last three and a half years have not been for nothing. I've been training you. I've been equipping you because I have a job for you to do. And now that I'm going away, it's time to get to work. But don't be discouraged. Here's two things that's going to help you be empowered, that's going to give you hope over the long haul. It's going to give you something to look forward to. But however, because God views time differently, remember what we've talked about during this series, because he's the three mile per hour God, both of these gifts, both of these promises came with a weight. Jesus says, hey guys, Here's two things. They're going to be crucial to your success. They're going to be crucial to my church going the distance. But you're going to have to wait a minute. We see in two different places here in Acts, Jesus says, the best things that I want to give you, you've got to wait a minute. However, 
today, if even the most important among us realize that the best things in life come after a wait, how much more, how much more should we be aware that, and this is the first thing that I want to leave with you here today, everything Jesus promises is worth the wait. Everything. I know you've been waiting on some promises that he's given to you. There's things you're hoping for in your life, things you're believing for, things from the scripture that you're standing on, you're watching over, just waiting for it to come to pass. Everything that Jesus promises is worth the wait. Even these two best gifts, these two best promises. However, the truth of the matter is today, the majority of us don't even know about what these two promises are. We don't even know about what these two best gifts are that Jesus gives to us, his church, right before he goes back to heaven. In fact, I would say that it has become the forgotten portion of the good news. I would say that it is the most overlooked aspect of the gospel, the most overlooked thing that is a foundational part of our faith because most churches and most Christians do not even talk about them. It's almost become a taboo subject. If you bring up the very two things that Jesus shares with us in this passage, people, even other believers, people that say that they are numbered with Jesus, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. They're going to look at you like you've come from another planet, like you're fanatical. But it's not always been like that, though. That's what I want you to know. It's not always been that way in the Christian church. You see, when the church first began, if we'll go all the way back to the beginning, shortly after Jesus' conversation with his disciples, when the church first begins, Christians, they would constantly find hope and inspiration from this promise that they were waiting on. In fact, whenever they would greet one another, they would remind each other of these very two things. They, they would tell each other, hey, this is happening. This is going to happen. When they faced horrific persecution, things beyond our wildest imaginations, beheadings, being boiled alive, being torn apart, being eaten by savage, ferocious, wild animals, when they were dipped in oil and hung up on a wall to function as human torches, when they were experiencing things beyond what we can fathom because of their love, their dependence, and their trust in Jesus, they were comforted in the lowest moments and the most painful moments of their life. They were comforted by focusing on these things that Jesus highlighted. And when the routines and the cares of life would distract them, just like it does us. They didn't have Little League. They didn't have rising gas prices. They didn't have dance and soccer. And they didn't have social media. They didn't have all of that. But there were certainly routines and cares of life that would distract them away from the vision of making their lives matter, helping all people make their life matter. They, they would get distracted from that and so what would the church do? They would encourage and they would provoke good works in each other by expecting the very things that Jesus highlights here in Acts chapter number 1. 
And you may be already saying, all right, Jason, get to your point. What is it? I'm on the edge of my seat. If you don't hurry and tell us, we're going to go surf on to some other place and check out some other video. So let me just go ahead and tell you what it is. I, I want you to know, I want you to find out today about the best and the most exciting promise Jesus ever made to any of us so that no matter what you face in life, no matter what comes our way, you can remind yourself of this massive good news and instantly be infused with comfort and hope. I'm only going to focus on one. If you remember, there's two, but I'm only going to focus on one because the other one, we're going to actually be starting a brand new series next Sunday, and that series is dedicated to this other promise totally and completely. In fact, look forward to this. The next series that we're starting next week is called The Secret Sauce. The Secret Sauce. But there's one promise, one gift in particular in this passage that you need to be aware of. So again, you can make the long haul so you can be constantly infused with hope so that when you're tempted to be distracted by the cares of life and want to wander away from remaining committed to Jesus and the work that he's done in your life, you can think on it and it can bring you back center. It can comfort you. It can fire you up. What does it say in Acts? Right after Jesus spoke these words about the other promise that we'll be focusing on in our next series, the disciples saw Jesus being lifted into the sky and disappearing into a cloud. And as they stared into the sky watching Jesus ascend, two men in white robes suddenly appeared beside them. And they told the startled disciples, minds blown, like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. Why are you staring up into the sky? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but he will come back the same way that you saw him ascend. Jesus will come back. Jesus is going to return. In fact, Jesus himself said in John chapter number 14, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I am going to come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Here's the second thing that you need to be reminded of today as we talk about worth the wait. Jesus is returning. Jesus is going to come again. Jesus the one that we love and that we worship, the one whose birth we celebrate every December, the one whose first arrival we make such a big fuss about every Christmas, and the same Jesus whom, again, we put so much attention on at Easter that he died, buried, and rose again, the same Jesus is going to actually, literally come again to this earth so that he can be physically reunited with all of us who love and follow and serve him in order to be our king. And when that day finally comes, we might have been waiting a long time. Your grandparents may have been waiting for this, your parents, but it's going to be worth the wait. Our grandchildren may be waiting for this. Ten generations down the road may be waiting for this. But two things you need to know. It is going to happen. It is as certain 
as his first coming that was also prophesied, it eventually happened and it will happen in that same manner. He's coming again and it will be worth the wait. Listen to me. If, if you haven't heard about this or it's been a long time since anyone has reminded you of this, this piece of the gospel, this piece of the good news gives meaning to all of the other pieces. And remember what I said, in this day and age, if you talk about Jesus returning, that Jesus is going to come back, even other believers are going to look at you like you're crazy, like you're fanatical. But if you take Jesus is coming again, Jesus is returning out of the narrative, out of the promises, if we strike that from the record of Jesus's life, it, it gives no closure to the rest of what he's done. Jesus returning gives meaning to all of the rest. If he does not return, if he does not come back, what's the point? Because through Jesus, yes, we know this. Belief, surrender to Jesus, faith in Jesus. You can be forgiven of all of your past sins. Everything that you've done wrong is washed away. You can get put in right standing with God so that you're not far from him. You're not going to receive judgment from him. You're united with him, part of his family, in right standing, adopted into part of the family of God so that what? He can come and be with us forever. So my question is, what made churches and Christians stop focusing on this amazing message? What made the church in the 21st century now so uncomfortable to ever even speak on this topic? Again, one of the two best, most amazing, fabulous gifts and promises that Jesus ever made, his parting words on which everything else hangs. How does the church just forget about it and stop talking about it? Do you realize that 23 books of the New Testament talk about his return? 300 verses reference that Jesus, our King, is coming again. One out of every 30 verses draws our attention to it. Well, I believe there's a couple of reasons why we have been avoiding this and why we've been shying away from it. Number one, the fact that Jesus is coming again has been used to cause fear and pressure in the lives of people. We have taken what was a beautiful, powerful, hope-inspiring, exciting promise and we turned it into a weapon. If you were raised up in and around church, maybe over some point in time in the journey, someone said to you, a parent, a pastor, a teacher, some authoritarian figure, they said to you, you better be careful. You better watch it. Jesus is coming again. He's going to come back. You don't want to miss it. You need to be ready for it. And it created this the sense of apprehension and fear. A few years ago, there was a collection of books called Left Behind that were quite popular in the Christian community, bestsellers. And it focused on the fact that Jesus was returning, but the angle was that people were going to be left behind and, and the lives that they would experience and the, 
the reality, the torture, the persecution. It was used to create fear and, and to put pressure on people. I, I can remember I can remember when I was when I was growing up, I was the, the son of a pastor, so I've been raised in and around church and somewhere along the line this fear that he was coming again was put into my life so much so that when I would come home from school, if my parents were nowhere to be found, I would immediately become terrified and I would be worried that Jesus had returned and that I had been left behind, that I didn't make it. And so I had a very specific procedure I would follow. If I couldn't get a hold of my parents, there were a couple of families in our church that I would call. And if for some reason the first one wouldn't answer, I would call the second one because these were the kind of families that if Jesus did come, they were certainly going to make it. And so I would call them, and if I would hear their voice, if I would hear them say, hello, then I would breathe a sigh of relief and wipe the sweat off my forehead, and I'd know that I was good, I was okay. Because if they answered, that means Jesus had not returned. And isn't it sad, for so long, this beautiful, awesome promise was made into a weapon. It was weaponized to create fear in God's people. That was never the intention. Search throughout the scriptures. Jesus' promise of returning and coming back and uniting with us, it was never about fear. It was about faith and hope and strength. The second reason I think that the church has moved away from this message and we've overcorrected because now it's never talked about and it's, it's very needed. We're talking about, wait a minute. We're waiting on him coming. And I cannot close out a series on waiting on God without focusing on this beautiful promise. The second reason, though, I believe that the church has moved away from it is that this message was used to create an escapist mentality. Again, Christians took the beautiful, awe-inspiring, hope-inspiring promise of Jesus and they corrupted it. Imagine that. Imagine us messing up what was intended to be beneficial. You know, we've been doing that, guys, for a long, long time. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we've got to rely on His grace and His strength and His power in our life. But it was used to create a, a, an escapist mentality. For example, Many generations before this one, they were talking, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. It can be at any moment, in any moment. And people stopped living their lives with wisdom. They stopped preparing. They stopped focusing on what we do while we wait so that waiting's never wasted. Remember, we talked about that last week. They stopped doing those things and they thought, Look, I don't need to plan for retirement because Jesus is coming again. I don't need to, to get real involved in the affairs of my city or what's happening in my country because it doesn't really matter. Jesus is coming again and others would withdraw from public life, almost sequester themselves away. I don't want to be around the world. I don't want to be around lost people because at any point in time, Jesus is going to come back and everyone turned their attention 
to Jesus's return so much so that they got so heaven-minded, they got so future-minded, they were no good here on earth in the present and in the right now. They basically mishandled the moments that they were given by God. And they created an escapist mentality. This world's getting wicked. This world's getting dark. We need to get out of here. We need to get away. And, and just watch. As the world grows more and more wicked around us, there is going to be an occasional person that has that escapist mentality. But this is what I believe. I believe that Jesus has placed us in the world to make a difference. He's placed us here so that we make our lives matter, so that we live fulfilled. Yes, He's coming again. It gives us hope. It gives us strength. But it's meant to empower us in the right now to make a difference with what's happening in the world, to partner with God, to bring justice into the earth, to help those that are marginalized, to reach for those who are in extreme poverty and try to bring them out, to share the good news, to preach deliverance to the captive, to preach sight to the blind, to show love to those who have been mocked and who have been who have been overlooked and who have been shunned. Hey, we're here, friends, to make a difference. I, I'm not excited about Jesus coming so that I can escape this world. I'm excited because I'm going to see him, and that's given me the ability, the tenacity to stay in this fight, to keep reaching for my friends and neighbors, keep inviting people that don't know Jesus to church, keep serving my church, serving my city. I'm not looking to get out of here. I'm looking to change the world that I'm a part of. And then when he finally comes, he's going to come back to something where I handle business because that's what he's wanting us to do is handle our business. Are you flourishing and living fulfilled? Are you making your life matter? Drop in the comments below some ways that you're making your life matter. Both of these realities using his return as a weapon to create fear and pressure or to create an escapist mentality. This was never the intent. This is not how the church began. Look at 2 Peter 3. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. We're looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth, he's promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. Looking forward to that day. That doesn't sound like fear. That doesn't sound like an escapist mentality. Titus 2.13, we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. Philippians 3.20, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Eagerly waiting. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he'll bring everything under his control. And let me stop there and say, if you've got a bad back, bad knees, or bad anything, and you're already developing a little bit of an escapist mentality so you can have that glorious body, hey, I'm not mad at you. You do you. I get where you're coming from. As we get older, things start hurting that's not supposed to hurt, and things that should work stop working. Hey, I want that glorious body. Come on, somebody. And I'm not talking about hot girl summer. We're going to be all getting glorious bodies. Maybe not Instagram-worthy bodies, but we're going to be getting glorious bodies. 
and then look at First Thessalonians chapter number four. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know that what's what's going to happen to the believers who have died. So you're not going to grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died, was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God's going to bring with him the believers who have died. And we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living, when the Lord returns, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself is going to come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with a voice of the archangel, the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died, they're going to rise from the dead. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth, those of us who have been waiting a minute, whether that's us or 10 generations from now, we're going to be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we're going to be with the Lord forever. So and look at what it says, encourage each other with these words. It doesn't say frighten each other. It doesn't, it doesn't say scare the bejesus out of each other. It says encourage each other. He's coming and it's going to be worth the wait. Why should we be looking forward to this? Why should we receive comfort, encouragement, and inspiration from this? Why should we be changed by this powerful promise that Jesus left to each of us. Why is this good news? Why is Jesus' second coming what I believe to be the happiest piece of the gospel? Why is it that when he left, he thought the last thing that I want to I leave to them so that my church can become the global impact that it's meant to be? Why was it, hey guys, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. We see the answer in Revelation chapter number 21. Verse number three, John, who writes Revelation, says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people and he's going to live with them and they're going to be his people. God himself will be with them and he's going to wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. And all of these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne, Jesus, said, Look, I am making everything new. Listen, after the week that we've had this week, with the, the second most severe school shooting in American history, in Texas, where 19 children were gunned down in their schools. As we are reeling as a nation, and many of you may be just overwhelmed with grief and sorrow over that situation. After that kind of a week, and seeing those horrific images on the news, and all the commentary on social media, after a week like we've had, and even today, as we're dedicating children, and... We're trusting God to watch over them as we raise them up in faith and as we send them out in the world as world changers, as future men and women of God, as we think about the potential dangers that they're going to face, as we think about what's happening in the world around us. It is okay to draw incredible hope and strength from what John documents Jesus saying in Revelation, no more. 
Jesus, He's coming again so that there will be no more. No more death. No more sorrow. No more disease. No more losing the ones that we love. No more worry about economic things. No more political division. No more racial injustice. No more. He's coming again to restore the original order, to restore how he had it in the beginning, that same beginning where he looked over it all and he said, it's good. It's very, very good. He's going to be restoring that original order and making all things new. And all of those that have been wronged are going to receive justice. And so that's why on your worst day, on your worst day, and I might be talking to someone that's in their worst day right now. In fact, as a nation, this last week, an 18-year-old murders 19 elementary school children. This has been one of our worst weeks. But in our worst day, when you are done wrong, when a loved one dies, when you go to the doctor for another exam, when you realize that too many taxes have been taken out of your paycheck, when your heart is broken, when you get made fun of and you get overlooked and pushed aside because you're a Christian, when you're feeling exhausted from doing all the right things, when you're tempted to think that making life matter for all people is too costly and too much work, I want you to remember in that moment, our King is going to return. King Jesus is coming back and it is going to be worth the wait. It's going to be, the, as the song said, that I grew up singing in church in my early days, in my informative years. It's going to be worth every long mile. It's going to be worth every heartache and every trial. It's going to be worth it all, some beautiful, happy day. And I want to invite you, those of you that may feel as though you are far from Jesus, those of you that may feel as though you've drifted from Him, I don't want this beautiful promise that He's coming again to make all things new, to restore His original order, to bring justice and healing to the world. I don't want that to scare you. I don't want that to put pressure on you. I want to invite you into that because I feel like Waterview has many, 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 many who are ready and are going to be a part of that day. But although we may have hundreds and down the road thousands, I'm still concerned there's, there's not enough. And, and we want you, we want you to be a part of that. There's no need to feel fear. All you've got to do is just surrender to this beautiful Jesus, this loving, incredible Jesus. You just open your heart up to Him. and, In fact, pray this prayer with me. Pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart in your own words, or you can repeat my words. But the important thing is that you believe that Jesus is going to forgive you of your sins, that He's going to make you a new person from this day forward. If you'll believe that, and that He is the one true God, the only one that can do this, then, my friend, you're, you're going to be experiencing 
what Jesus said, I cannot leave without letting you know this is going to happen. So bow your head with me. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you today for every promise because each and every one of your promises are worth the wait. And it doesn't matter how long I've been waiting and how long I've been apart from what you have for me. I'm, I'm going to receive it all now. And I believe, Jesus, that you're the one true God and I'm surrendering my heart and life to you. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Make me a brand new person. Transform my heart and my mind. I want my life to be completely different going forward. I want to live for you. I want to have hope. I want to have faith. I want to have passion. I want to have purpose. I want to know what it is to flourish and live fulfilled. Jesus, take control of my life. It's all yours. And Lord, I cannot wait to spend the rest of my life getting to know you and engaging in the purpose that you have for my life. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in my life today. I make this fresh start right here and right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.